0: Fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. We only recently celebrated our 100th episode, but this week is the two-year anniversary. Can't believe it's only been two years the podcast has been going. It started on the 5th of November 2019. This is episode 104. And here's what we got coming up for you this week.
1: But the end goal over the next three to six months, all things level one IT support, completely solved end to end using AI.
0: That's Lucas Meadowcroft. He's going to be here later on in the show. We've also got a book suggestion from Stormy Andrews. Such a great name Stormy's got. He'll be here at the end of the show and we'll be asking if the marketing concept of using an easy first purchase, something that makes it very easy to get into a transactional relationship with you, is this valid in our world? Let's answer that question later on. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Inevitably, at some point you've sat down and you've started thinking about the business and where you can take it and what you should be doing with it, and you've thought to yourself, I wonder how much we should be spending on marketing, or maybe you've thought about it in terms of, I wonder what our marketing budget should be. It's a very common question, to be honest, and I don't really have a concrete answer for you, because marketing theory says you should be spending a percentage of your turnover, and that might be I don't know, 5%? It could be 20%. I guess it depends on how aggressively you want to grow. The thing is, actually setting a budget like that, I mean, that's something that you have to do when you're in a bigger business and you've got managers. You've got to give them some boundaries, right? You've got to give them some limitations of what they can and can't do or can and can't spend. But I recognize that most small businesses, most owner-operated businesses, they don't really budget for anything. There's just buying what you need and just asking yourself, have we got the cash flow to afford this right now? So I never recommend looking at marketing budgets. Instead, I recommend focusing on something called LTV. And this stands for Lifetime Value of a new client. What do I mean by lifetime value? I mean someone who joins your MSP today as a new client. Let's say they're spending a 1,000 a month. So over a year, they're gonna spend 12,000. And let's say they stay with your business for 10 years, which is not unlikely, let's be honest. In the MSP world, 10 years is probably pretty much average for someone staying. So we've got 12,000 a year times 10, that's 120,000. So let's say that client stayed for exactly that, for 10 years, their average, well, the lifetime of that client, the lifetime value is 120,000. And you can add this up for all of your clients and even do some forecasting. And you're looking to work out that LTV, that average lifetime value. Someone who joins your MSP today could be worth $50,000, 100000 200000 to you. And okay, yeah, you've got to stick around for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years to actually collect that cash. But also when you come to sell the business, you're selling on that future cash as well. You're selling on the contract and you get rewarded for that when you sell your business lifetime value of the average client in the MSP world is high. Uh, It's a lot higher than it is in a lot of other industries, a lot of other sectors. So although it's longer and harder for you to win a client in the first place, it's a lot more rewarding to keep that client. And you certainly make a lot more money out of them in the long term. So if you haven't got a marketing budget, I guess the opportunity here is to spend as much as you can comfortably afford on marketing with an eye on the average lifetime value. So the goal really is to be able to outspend all of your competitors on acquiring highly qualified leads. This is really more a mindset thing than it is a budget thing. Let's do a lifetime value calculation. So as I said, imagine if that client pays you the thousand a month, they stay around for 10 years. So that's an average lifetime value, an ALV, of 120,000 pounds, dollars, whatever your currency is. So the questions to ask for this is how much would you be willing to spend to acquire 120,000 of revenue? Let me say that again. Remember, if the client sticks around for 10 years, they will give you 120,000. How much are you willing to spend to acquire 120,000 of revenue? And that's the key question with this. See, a marketing budget is got it's got nothing to do with it. You've got to ask yourself, is what would you spend for that? Bearing in mind you're only getting a thousand a month. So if, for example, you said, hey, I'm willing to spend six thousand to acquire that 120000 worth of revenue. I mean, that is a fortune. That's an absolute ton of cash there. There's loads of cash and loads of things you can do. Now, it's got a six-month payback with it. I'm ignoring projects, of course. I appreciate you can often recoup some of the marketing spend with initial project spend. But if you were willing to spend six months' worth of revenue to acquire a client, well, first of all, that would allow you to outspend your competitors. But also, it would force you and focus you on making sure you onboarded that Client properly because who wants to spend six thousand on a client that goes within two months because they haven't been onboarded properly? No one would do that. I mean, six thousand is probably extreme. Me, if that was me and I ran an MSP and it was a thousand a month and I knew I'd keep them for 10 years. I'd easily spend 3000 Easily. In fact, we do it in our MSP Marketing Edge. That's £99 or $129 US dollars a month. And we will happily spend three to four months worth of revenue to acquire a new client. Because we know that we have incredibly high conversion rates from trial to new clients. And we know that we have incredibly good retention as well. We run that business on the numbers. We're very confident on the numbers because we've been tracking them over several hundred people for a number of years years. And so I will happily spend three months worth of revenue to acquire a new client. That's the way to think about how much you should be spending to acquire a new client. But of course, most MSPs don't think that way. And there's the opportunity for you. Because if all MSPs think one way and you think a different way, that makes you a little bit different. That's a good thing, certainly from a marketing point of view, because you're tackling everything with a completely different mindset. The chances are you're more likely to thrive if you've got a different mindset to all of your competitors. Here's this week's clever idea. For some people, buying something from a new supplier for the first time is terrifying. Now you might not see it that way, but maybe in a way you're not normal. And no offense intended for that, because I'm not normal either. As soon as you've been the business owner of any business for a while, you kind of lose perspective on what it's like to be an ordinary buyer, you know, or or a business owner, perhaps of just a couple of years in. I certainly found this with payroll. When my payroll was like, what was it, about 50,000, 60,000 a month. I kind of lost perspective of how much that was because I was used to that much coming in and I was used to that much going out. And I remember sitting talking with friends once and we were talking about the cost of a car or a holiday or something and I'm like oh yeah yeah it's only 20,000 and they they kind of their jaws opened of a uh, oh, you're spending that much and it was because I'd become desensitized to money. Anyway, I digress. For you, spending a whole chunk of money on IT and technology and all of that kind of stuff, it's not unusual, it's normal for you, so there's less risk and fear in it. But for ordinary people, investing in a new partnership or you know picking a partner, a new partner can be a scary thing. For the everyday business owner or manager that you deal with, getting a new business in to look after their IT, whether it's for the first time or whether they're switching partners, it's a perceived risk because they don't know you. They don't know if they can trust you. They do know that you can stop all the work from happening in their business for several hours if you get something wrong. So they are aware how important you are but there is an element of fear there. This is one of the reasons why people don't switch MSPs very often and why it takes them a long time to switch MSPs. We call this inertia loyalty, better the devil you know, better to sit with someone you don't like, but at least you know them rather than switching over to someone brand new. So you can minimize the perceived risk of using you using a whole series of influential techniques, things like Dr. Robert Cialdini's weapons of influence. these on the podcast before he's got six weapons of influence things like social proof authority scarcity you can read all of these in a book called influence by dr robert cialdini it really is a great book i'd particularly look at how you can put in place risk reversal we call risk reversals guarantees in fact if you wanted to absorb yourself in this go back to episode 91 of the podcast where we spent a little bit of time talking about risk reversals and guarantees The real opportunity here is to do something to make someone's first purchase with you really, really easy and completely risk free for them. So you make it as low a commitment as possible, because the theory goes that once someone has purchased one thing from you and it's been a success, it's been a good experience for them, then they're more likely to go on to purchase something else from you. If your biggest business challenge is winning brand new clients, and for most MSPs, that's pretty much their biggest business challenge, then consider ways that you can get a foot in the door. What can you do to reduce the perceived risk for the client of buying from you so you can get the chance to start a relationship with them? Because don't forget, most people are more motivated by the fear of loss than they are the opportunity to gain. We did this with our msp marketing edge service about three years ago we instead of asking people to jump straight in and pay for a month and it's only 99 pounds or 129 we did a free trial well it's free in the states and it's a pound in the uk just because of the differences in the payment platforms we use and the limitations in those but that as you can imagine led to an explosion in fact we had a massive increase of people trying the service out And as I said earlier, the vast majority of those people love what they see and they go on to become a full member. What could you do to do the same thing? Because you don't necessarily want to offer someone a free month. In fact, that wouldn't quite be right for an MSP. That would be the wrong way to get a relationship off to a start. But what if you could, for example, charge them for the audit as part of your sales process? Now, there's an idea. What if you were to charge them money, even if it was just a few hundred, or maybe even a thousand, depending on the size of the client, to actually do the technical audit needed as part of your sales proposal? Hang on a second here, Paul. Are you suggesting that we charge people actually charge them money in order to do a sales proposal? Well, yes, I am actually. If you could get someone to pay for a good proper technical audit, and I mean a thorough technical audit that you don't make any profit on, that could be an incredibly powerful tool for you. Now it's gotta be positioned in the right way. You've gotta have some some chutzpah when you actually suggest it to people, but what a great easy purchase. Because instead of asking them to get into bed with you on a monthly recurring revenue basis, couple of thousand a month or whatever it is, here we go, sign the three-year contract, which is the right thing to do. You actually show them that working with you guys is really good fun. It's a valuable experience. You know what you're doing and you do the job properly. Even if you could just get a couple of hundred from them, psychologically, that would be a very, very powerful thing to do. Get them to give you a little bit of money so you can do that audit off the back of it, the chances of them becoming a client are so much higher. Now, you may choose not to do an audit, but there might be something else you could do. Maybe a piece of project work. Maybe you do the project work and the reason you're doing it is because you know you're gonna ask them for some recurring revenue off the back of it. Although I've gotta be honest, most of my clients won't do project work unless someone is making an ongoing monthly commitment but you've got to look at this from their point of view. It is a risk to buy from you. What could you do to minimize that risk and talk directly to the fear that is so motivating for them? How can you take that fear away, make them feel that, hey, the worst thing that happens here is we lose a few hundred. I can sleep well if I lose a few hundred, but not so much if I'm trapped in a 36 month, monthly recurring revenue commitment with someone that I don't get on with. Make it easy for someone to buy from you and just maybe more More people will try it out and I'm pretty confident they'll like working with you, aren't you? Paul's Blatant Plug You do know that I'm on a mission to make your life as easy as possible, right? And that's why I want to give you a copy of my free book, a physical copy of Updating Servers Doesn't Grow Your Business. Completely free. You don't even pay for the postage and I want to give it to you so you could, for example, use it to prop open a door. You could use it to, for example, to swat flies. Ah, gotcha. Oh, also, the other thing you could do is you could actually read it and you could get an insight into how to get the basics of your MSP's marketing right. Maybe you would do that. Maybe it's more valuable for swatting flies. Anyway, if you want a copy, we will ship a copy to you. If you're in the UK or the US, Everywhere else in the world will send you a PDF, and you can get that completely free right now at Paul Green's MSPmarketing.com. The big interview.
1: G'day guys, Lucas Monocroft here, CEO and co-founder of Tribute. I've uh, been in the MSP game for over 17 years, I've owned and operated and run two MSPs based here in Australia, one on the Gold Coast, and I still actively own one here in Brisbane.
0: And thank you so much for joining me on the show, Lucas. Now, we're going to talk about Tribute a little later on, because I think you've got something very exciting, which our listeners will, I think, be intrigued to hear what you've put together. But let's first of all, talk about your MSP journey, because it's always fascinating to hear how someone has started up, built, and I assume you've exited an MSP along the way as well.
1: Uh, Yeah, it has been an interesting ride. Uh, You know, going back to the original days of you know, when we initially went to use offshoring services and uh, that original conversation with our team, uh, well, actually it was 12 months after we started implementing offshoring services based in India and Philippines, and then we we're like 12 months into the journey. We we're like, okay, we better tell our team about it. They're going to be scared. They're going to lose their jobs. Uh, yeah. So everything all the way back then to, I guess, all things, you know, uh, automation, artificial intelligence these days. So we've been definitely on a bit of a journey over the, over the years.
0: And as you look back over your MSP journey, what are some of the things that have made the biggest difference to the growth and the increase in net profitability?
1: Systemization, automation, and sales. They're the three core, I guess, pillars. Uh, saying it out loud now, it's like if we can systemize the process that we go through on a daily basis from an operational perspective uh, all the way through to then, well, I guess, what potential systems or automation is available on the market at that point in time, and then sales. Sales is everything. If you don't bring sales into the door, your MSPs either stagnant, dropping behind or won't be running for much longer.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's easy for you to look back now and and get, get the, the you know the systems automation and, and sales as as your key things. But I bet when you first started up, it wasn't that clear to you.
1: You know, custom service has always been a key for me and it wasn't really about building businesses and building MSPs back in the day. It was more about, you know, how do I solve that particular problem for that client and uh, the problem that I'm solving is that actually solving a, a bigger problem within the business or is it just helping that one individual person yeah no, my journey was all in the beginning it was all about customer service and you know helping that particular person at that point in time you know i love the idea around entrepreneurship love the idea about building businesses but when you're starting out uh, it's it's about that client that you're working with at that point in time
0: yeah, absolutely. So, did you build one MSP, sell it, and then start a second one? How how have you had kind of a couple of MSPs?
1: And that was the plan and the journey, um, but it's actually not what happened, to be honest. But in in essence, I had a opportunity to take over an existing MSP. The owner of that MSP was going through a divorce, and so I had an opportunity to take take that company over, which I had put my blood, sweat, and tears into. I was with that organization for over eight years. Uh, went through a yeah, transition period over a three-year period, took over the running uh, of the organization, built up the company to 19 staff members. Back then it was mainly on-site engineers. Uh, yeah, so I had the opportunity to take this company So I went, hey, you got nothing to lose. And then when we got, came to the end of actually progressing the full sale of the business over to myself, uh, that's when you it know, all went haywire. Um, we ended up being in court and litigation for over 18 months. No. And (laughs) this is when I was 27 years old. So, yeah, it was a a bit of a journey to go through. Uh, I'm glad glad I did it at such an early age. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. But, yeah, so that was the first journey of, of, you know, owning and operating a MSP.
0: That sounds like a hell of a journey for you. So let's talk about Tribu. So tell us what was. Actually, first of all, give, give us a brief idea of what Tribu is. Literally, give, give me the 10 second version you told me before we recorded our interview.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're automating IT support using artificial
0: intelligence. Okay. So that's the perfect description of it. So I assume that Tribu is something that you built as a result of problems that you had when you were running the MSP.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we. We knew we could bring in sales. We knew we could help more and more customers, but what we kept failing to do in our MSP was you know, keep that customer service that we wanted to provide as founders. It was hard for us to then train up our engineers to provide that customer service that we really wanted to install onto them. Uh, and then the level one engineering aspect, which is the main, I guess, tickets that were coming into the help desk on a daily basis. Um, those Level 1 engineers that were doing those tickets got bored really, really quickly. And so we kept finding ourselves on this bit of a rotation of getting more Level 1 engineers in on a daily basis or, you know, every three, six six months. Uh, But then also how do we train up continuous revolving door around uh, around the engineers on amazing customer service. So they're the two things that we kept coming up against, and that's how Tribu was born. How do we provide amazing customer service? and not needing to keep recruiting level one engineers.
0: So tell me how Tribu actually solves those problems for you. Have we fully
1: automated IT support right now? No. Our first goal is level one IT support. The first uh, AI function we've got live today is around service delivery. So what's next is our first uh, release. And this allows engineers to stay on their task on a daily basis so they know what tickets they should be working on. They don't need someone breathing down their necks. Our platform tells them, hey, you've completed this ticket. This is the next ticket you should be working on. But the end goal over the next three to six months is that all things level one IT support. So password reset, printer, printer not working, computer running slow, all the mundane tickets that we get as engineers on a daily basis. Uh, they're the ones we're aiming to completely solve end-to-end using AI.
0: Sure. So give me a practical example of how the AI can jump in and, and keep the engineers focused or save them some time.
1: Absolutely. So right now, a ticket will come in, whether it's via our platform or via your normal process, you know, email, through into your PSA, ConnectWise, Autotask, whatever you might be using. Our system understands that information from um, machine learning, natural language processing, processes that through to your ticketing system, and then starts the action items off the back of that, whether it be communicating back with the, with the customer, uh, providing an update, uh, all the way through to solving that actual problem. Uh, we also have a customer-facing scenario. So if they want to roll out customer-facing, I guess, interface rather than email but via Microsoft Teams, then they can do that as well. But, yeah, the idea is that how do we gather that data really quickly, process it through our platform, and then provide the engineer with the next steps on how to solve it.
0: And let me put my skeptical head on here, because I've spoken to enough MSPs where we've looked at, and I'm going to put in, put it in quote marks here, you know, AI solutions, and often the AI isn't as intelligent as perhaps people would say it was. Is this the hardest thing for you, is actually getting the AI right so that it's not just a series of processes, but it, there is actually some kind of learning going on?
1: Yep, it's been a long journey. So we're probably getting close to three years, but from an AI journey, um, just over two years in, we've spent... $1.7 million so far um, on our AI technology. It's not easy, I'll, I'll be completely honest, uh, but we're so close. Like, give an example, we're over 90% success rate now on Level 1 tickets. So I say Level 1, like keep that in mind. Like the mundane, you know, the top 11 Level 1 tickets that come into your help desk every day, we're over 90% correct now on those particular tickets. So we're so close to solving these top level one tickets, which is pretty exciting. But yeah, it's been a long journey.
0: And what's the goal if you're at 90% right now? What, what's the point at which the product is, is as good as it's going to get? Is it 100%? Uh,
1: that would be absolutely amazing. But I think in this world, you know, it's never going to be the case. Um, we initially set out to achieve 98% uh, accuracy in English, um, but now we've got customers or partners, MSP partners using our platform in 18 different countries. So you could imagine we've got different languages, different slangs, different algorithms that we've had to build. And then on top of that, I guess the information that we're processing needs to then not just understand in tech because early next year we're going live with voice, right? So text is an amazing goal if we get to 98% in multiple different languages within the next three to six months. But then we have to settle again when it comes to voice. So a customer can call in and, and takes the information all from a phone call. So I, I can't see it's getting to 100% you know 95 98% is definitely an amazing goal once you're across all, all those platforms and different ways that customers love communicating with us.
0: And without giving too many trade secrets away, what's next? Will you be looking at, at second line tickets or is there something else you're going to apply that technology to?
1: Yeah, that would be amazing around I guess cognitive thinking and um you know getting the the platform to think outside the box literally. But to be honest it's the training aspect of what excites us so VR and AR technology on helping level one engineers skill up to be level two, level two engineers skill up to be level three. If we're going to add, and it is part of our roadmap over the next you know, three to five years, is add a massive training functionality to improve customer service and skill up engineers on all fronts, uh, that would just absolutely be amazing.
0: Okay, Lucas, thank you so much. Tell us where we can find out more about Tribute and how we can get in touch with you.
1: Uh, yeah, so if you go to Tribu.ai, it's a pretty unique um, way to find it. So Tribu means try. We're building a tribe of amazing, innovative MSPs globally. Uh, so yeah, tribute.ai. And the cool thing about being unique, uh, Lucas Meadowcroft, if you Google me, I'm the only one in the world. So you've got to find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, whatever platform you use on a daily basis, you're more than welcome to reach out to me, send me a DM out. Add me on any of those platforms, and I will more than welcome to get back
0: to you. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. This week's recommended book. Hi, this is Stormy Andrews, author of The World's Best Buyer Persona System. The
1: one book that I believe is a must read is Post Corona by Scott Galloway, a NYU business professor, created and funded and sold numerous businesses for multi-millions of dollars. He explains effectively how the world has changed post-corona and how your business should change right along with it.
0: Coming up next week. Hi, I'm Todd Kane with Evolve Management Consulting and I'll be joining you next week, to help you understand why your business might be running you instead of you running your business so that we can help you grow more profitably and reduce the stress in growing your MSP. We're also going to be looking at whether or not you and your team have a growth mindset. It's a very specific way of thinking about things and people with the growth mindset, get more done in life. We'll look at what that is next week and how you can introduce it to your staff. We're also gonna look at some very cool toys in fact we're looking at notepads you don't just need a normal paper pad in fact maybe you don't use one right now maybe you prefer using one note i like physical notepads they have a value in a way i think it's more tangible when you put notes in a physical notepad but just because it's a physical notepad doesn't mean it has to be a boring old tree one as in a paper one there's some very cool notepad toys you can get and we'll look at what those are next week have a great week in business I'll see you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.